Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast from NBC Sports Edge. This is our MLB Power Rankings show where we break down my weekly Power Rankings column that goes up on NBC Sports Edge every Tuesday. We're recording this on Monday night, July 18th uh, for context as we talk about wins and losses and stats and whatnot. It is the All-Star break, so nothing's going to change from this recording to when it comes out on Tuesday morning. The Home Run Derby is going on right now. Uh, Yeah, a crazy first round showing for Julio Rodriguez, Pete Alonso doing his thing. I think Albert Pools and Kyle Schwarber just went to a a swing off Uh, that might reach its conclusion before the end of this show. This episode, Uh, I'm Drew Silva joining me here and every week throughout the season is my co-host Janice Scurrio. Welcome in Janice. Uh, Sorry to drag you away from watching the Derby. Is there anything you're looking forward to from the actual all-star game which will be on tuesday night oh absolutely and first of all you're also not dragging me away from the derby so (laughs) all fair uh but there are a couple of players i am looking forward to seeing uh so of course uh tim anderson is starting the game at shortstop Uh, very excited to see him uh so as you know and as all of my friends know i do love lefties Uh, and two lefty pitchers are starting the All-Star game. So one is Dodgers icon Clayton Kershaw. Uh, So he'll be uh, taking the mound for the National League. And uh, current MLB ERA leader uh, leader Shane McClanahan is getting uh, the nod for the AL. So honestly, I think Sandy Alcantara would have been also a decent choice to start for the NL. Uh, I think Clayton Kershaw agrees with me. He did say that Alcantara, Tony Gonsalin, Max Fried, uh, he said all these guys have better numbers than I do. Uh, they should be starting this game. I get that. But of course, too, um, he's the hometown hero. So it's fair that he takes the ball. And I'm, I'm really happy that he, re- he realizes that. It takes uh, takes some humility to recognize that for sure. Yeah, I think he said he called Sandy Alcantara after he got the nod on Saturday was when he was officially notified just because he kind of felt bad. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an exhibition event. There's nothing to get real too upset over. Um, Not at all. Yeah. Uh, before we get started, a little promo note. Weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Cubs take on the Phillies on Sunday, July 24th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to peacock.com slash MLB 
And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em contest. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. All right, let's jump into this week's power rankings. As usual, we will do a deep dive on each of the teams in the top five and then discuss the three biggest risers and three biggest fallers from the previous week to the current week. If you want rankings and observations on all 30 clubs, check out the power rankings column in full on Tuesday. Usually goes up late morning, early afternoon, depending on how long it takes me to actually write the thing. I I can kind of take it slowly with there being no games, um, no meaningful games really on Tuesday, just just the all-star game on Tuesday night. All right, start us out, Janice, with who we have at number one overall this week. Absolutely. At number one overall is the New York Yankees. Uh, So Matt Carpenter was named American League Player of the Week. Uh, This is his first Player of the Week award since 2018. Uh, So this week he hit 400 with three homers, uh, two doubles, 12 RBI, and a 1.683 OPS. Uh, So as for the Yankees themselves, they're heading into the All-Star break with a rather ridiculous plus 199 run differential. Yeah, as as a team, they have cooled down somewhat, an eight and seven record so far in July. But many of those eight wins have been of the blowout variety, including on Saturday and Sunday against the rival Red Sox, a 14 to one win for the Yankees on Saturday, and then 13 to two on Sunday. And as you mentioned, right now an MLB best one plus 199 run differential. That's the second highest run differential at the all-star break in MLB history. The first all-star game was in in 1933 and the only team with a higher run differential at the all-star break since then was the 1939 Yankees at plus 217. Uh, That 1939 Yankees team went on to win the world series in a four game sweep of the reds. That was an MVP year for Joe DiMaggio who finished with a 381 batting average, 1119 OPS, 30 home runs, and 126 RBIs and 120 games played. 
And yeah, Matt Carpenter is kind of doing his best DiMaggio impression right now. Actually more like Babe Ruthian uh, <laughs> with, with the rate that he's putting balls over the fence. Carpenter has a 1380 OPS with 13 home runs and 34 RBIs in 31 games. Less than 100 total plate appearances since the Yankees picked him up off the scrap heap in late May, got released by the Rangers. I, I, as, as a Cardinals fan, I can tell you that I thought Carpenter was toast three or four years ago, um, <laughs> but he traveled around to different hitting gu- gurus over the offseason, simplified his swing, um, and it's a perfect swing right now for that short right field porch in the Bronx. Carpenter's batting 371. With a sixteen six with a sixteen sixty five OPS and sixty seven plate appearances at Yankee Stadium so far, um, yeah, the Yankees will open the second half with a thirteen game lead on first place in the AL East, and again as my number one team in these NBC Sports Edge Power Rankings. Move on to your number two team, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, so you, you hinted at them earlier, but they have the second highest run differential in the league at plus 169. They're 9-1 in their last 10. Uh, speaking of players of the week, Freddie Freeman got his second player of the week nod uh, and his fifth career player of the week award. He posted a 632 average. Uh, he went 12 for 19, including two homers, four doubles, five RBI, and a 1.810 OPS this last week. Yeah, Freeman also just got added to the NL All-Star roster. What does that bring them to five or six All-Stars? Are there are so many of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. With the replacements that have been added, I think it got up to 80 total All-Stars, which is like I think 10% of the league. Wow. But again, you know, it's a it's an exhibition event. It's it's for entertainment purposes. And yeah, the Dodgers are the the host team for the All-Star game and the events that surround it, including the home run derby which is going on right now. Uh, they closed out the first half on a 15-2 and two run between June 29th and July 16th to grab a 10-game lead on first place in the National League West. They were just one game up on the Padres on June 26th, so this has all happened in a hurry. Uh, good vibes all around uh, at Dodger Stadium as the Midsummer Classic rolls in. Clayton Kershaw, as, as you said at the top of the show, was just named the starting pitcher for the National League on Monday afternoon. Uh, maybe a bit of home cooking there, as we talked about, but uh, he's plenty deserving in his own right. He worked eight scoreless innings in his final first half start at Anaheim this weekend and has a 2.13 ERA, 0.91 whip, and 75 to 12 strikeouts to walks through 71 and a two-thirds innings this year. Uh, this will be Kershaw's ninth career All-Star appearance, but it'll surprisingly be his first All-Star start. So that's kind of cool for him. He's the 13th pitcher to start an All-Star game in his home park. Again, all is well in Dodgerland, sticking at number two this week. At number three, the Houston Astros. Uh, so they're currently nine games ahead of the surging Mariners, whom, uh, spoiler alert, we will talk about them later on in the show. Uh, but they are a little bit uh, on the uh, the banged up side. They definitely am in need of some rest and recovery. Uh, so they're missing two key bats in Jordan Alvarez and as, as well as Michael Brantley. But otherwise, uh, things look pretty good for the Astros. Yeah, they did just lose two of three to the visiting A's over the weekend, but yeah, that's baseball for you. 
won two of three against the Angels to kick off the final week of the first half. And, and as you mentioned, a full nine games up on first place in the American League West standings here at the All-Star break. Justin Verlander was the starting pitcher for the only win over the weekend against Oakland, a 5-0 victory on Saturday. Verlander's 12-3 with a 1.89 ERA and a 0.88 whip at the break, 108 strikeouts, only 19 walks in 109 and a third innings. An all-star for the ninth time in his career. Um, Jordan Alvarez will hopefully be ready to come off the IL right as the second half opens for the Astros this Thursday. That'll be a makeup doubleheader against the Yankees. Then comes a big three-game weekend set at Seattle. And yeah, we will be talking about the Mariners in a bit. I think Alvarez probably skips that doubleheader, but maybe gets activated sometime over the weekend. Um, Alvarez keeps having problems with lingering soreness in his right hand, but you know when he's been active, he's been hitting at an MVP caliber pace, a 306 batting average, the best OPS among all qualified hitters at 1058, 26 home runs, 60 RBIs, 57 runs scored in 75 games played. It's a shame that he can't participate in the all-star festivities. It would have been a, a cool thing to be able to, to feature him with the first half that he put together. But uh, yeah, Alvarez did re- resume swinging a bat on Sunday uh, and the break should help with that nagging injury and some other nagging injuries that are going on in Houston. They stay at number three for me this week. All right, let's move on to your number four team, the New York Mets. Uh, so they the, they lost the last game of the first half of the season, but they're heading into the All-Star break with one of the best starts in franchise history. They now stand at 58-35 and 35 on the year, 23 games above 500. So here's a fun factoid. Uh, the 1986 World Series champion Mets entered the All-Star break with more games above 500 with a 59-25 record. So uh, it's also the first time that New York has reached 50 plus wins before the all-star game since 2006 yeah you you stole all of my notes for the match <laughs> no, that's okay i didn't mean yeah. to do that i didn't mean to do that or maybe i did i don't know <laughs> we could i guess we could compare notes but it, it's it's fine yeah they, they took two of, or three of four from the cubs over the weekend and two of three from the braves before that so yeah finished the first half of the season at 58 and 35 as you said the second best record before the all-star break in all of franchise history behind only the 1986 Mets who went on to win the World Series. Yeah, a 6.24 winning percentage, a plus 83 run differential, a two and a half game edge on the Braves for first place in the National League East and as I've said a, a few times over the last handful of weeks this could be a better team in the second half than it, it was in the first with Jacob deGrom heading for a return in late July. It looks like the Mets will have DeGrom and Max Scherzer in the rotation at the same time before the end of this month. Like, Just look out for that duo. Uh, Scherzer has posted a 1.40 ERA and 31 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio in 19 and a third innings since returning from his oblique strain on July 5th. DeGrom, meanwhile, has yet to allow an earned run through three minor league rehab starts with 15 strikeouts and only one walk in eight and two-thirds innings. Yeah, this this becomes a, a fully legitimate World Series contender with those two in the fold. And, you know, they're obviously – they've played pretty well without those two in the fold. They have not been in the rotation at the same time, obviously, because DeGrom's been out for the entire year so far. Um, I think that's going to be scary if they get those two going down the stretch and, and into October. 
another week at number four for the Mets with, with the goods to possibly climb up in the rankings in the second half. Right at number five, the Atlanta Braves, a, a team that is hot on the tail of the Mets. So Atlanta is entering the break with their with the most of first half wins since 2003. So the Braves have gone 33 and 11 from June 1st uh, to right now. So they're entering the break only 2.5 games back of New York. Yeah, they lost two of three to the Mets to open the, the final week of the first half, but then got right at Washington over the weekend, winning three of four against the Nationals, a 33 and 11 record since the end of May. They went 21 and six in June, 12 and five so far in July to, to climb right back in the, th- the thick of things with the Mets and the NL East. As we've rents, as we've referenced, the Braves will be just two and a half games behind the Mets when the second half gets underway later this week. Uh, Atlanta resumes play on Friday with a three-game weekend series against the visiting Angels. Then comes a three-game road series at the Phillies. And the Phillies aren't dead either in that division. Philly did drop out of my top 10 this week, but sitting in that number 12 spot, eight and a half games back in the division, but holding the third National League wildcard spot right now, or I guess tied for it with the Cardinals. Um, Austin Riley finally got named to the NL All-Star team on Saturday. He was among the biggest initial snubs, 27 home runs, 61 RBIs, and 922 OPS through 92 games this season. Riley is on an even better pace this year than than what he was doing during his breakout 2021 campaign this time last year uh, when he went on to finish seventh in the NL MVP balloting. And this is an enlightening note. Riley is just the second player in Braves franchise history to have 25-plus homers and 100-plus total hits before the All-Star break. The other is Hank Aaron, who had 117 hits and 27 homers at the break in 1957. So Riley making some history here in the in the first half and, and finally gets that NL All-Star nod. A really nice surge to close out the first half for the defending World Series champs, staying at number five for another week and putting pressure on the fourth-ranked Mets. That does it for your top five. Now let's go ahead and move into your big risers at number six, climbing up six spots to number six from 12. Uh, what is math? What are numbers? Hmm. Uh, the Seattle Mariners. So Julio Rodriguez actually just finished uh, his stint in the home run derby semifinals with 23 homers. Uh, so, oh, wait, no, wait. Oh, Pete Alonso is actually coming up to bat right now. All right. So really fantastic news there. So um, as for that, a 14-game win streak heading into the All-Star break. Uh, the Mariners are 22-3 and in their last 25 games. Uh, and uh, the Mariners' bullpen uh, actually leads the majors in ERA, whip, uh, K percentage, opponents' batting average, uh, and, uh, yeah, really great pitching performances from Paul Sewold, especially uh, just backing up starters like Robbie Ray, who's really turned it around. Uh, there were a couple of starts where he looked kind of rough, but otherwise, uh, yeah, the Mariners right now are the hottest team in baseball. I liked that bullpen on paper coming into the year. It, it took a little while for it to fully actualize, but, yeah, it's it's been a force, so, or force recently over the last month or so. And yeah, this is a huge leap at this point in the season. The Mariners moving up six spots in my rankings from number 12 to number six, and they jumped five spots the week before. Uh, So going from number 17 all the way to number six in the span of 14 days. I don't like to rank like so fast and and loose like that. I want to feel confident in where I 
put these teams based on you know current and season-long expectations with the talent on the given rosters, but the Mariners are deserving of that rise. I think certainly the hottest team in this second tier behind the top tier, which we could call the Yankees, Dodgers, Astros, Mets, and Braves. And I, so, yeah, to me, I was just, as I was making this out, I was like the Mariners belong at number six. Um, they've swept series from the A's, Padres, Blue Jays, Nationals, and Rangers over the course of this 14 game winning streak. It is the longest winning streak in MLB history entering the all-star break. Um, prior to this season, the longest such winning streak to close out the first half was 10, shared by the 1975 Reds, the 1945 Cubs, and the 1935 Tigers. And all of those teams made the World Series that same year. At the beginning of July, the Mariners were 13 and a half games back of the Astros for first place in the AL West standings. Now they're nine games back. Like Credit to Houston for maintaining some good distance there, but Seattle is climbing up to the second AL wildcard spot. And just a half game back of the Rays for the first AL wildcard spot. A, a fun note on Julio Rodriguez, who's putting on a show right now in the home run derby. He's the first player in MLB history with 15-plus home runs, 50-plus RBIs, and 20-plus stolen bases through his first 90 career major league games. The first player in MLB history to post that kind of production as a rookie. Rodriguez has very quickly become one of the most impactful young players in the sport and I don't see any reason to think that he's going to slow down in the second half. Um, he really just might improve. 21 years old, doesn't turn 22 in, until December, a cornerstone for this Mariners team in, in the long term, but also the short term. That drought of 20 straight seasons without a playoff appearance might finally come to an end this October. Exciting times if you're a long-suffering fan of this franchise. They've been awesome lately, and I think have the tools to to make in a you know a postseason run and make make a run to the postseason and get through a couple rounds perhaps. Right, slight correction on what I said before. Julio was not finished. Uh, he had a minute bonus time left, uh, trying to <laughs> pay attention at the same time here. Uh, so he finished with thirty home runs actually. So uh, Pete is in, at- in the second round. He hit thirty. Yeah. Yes. Wow. 30 in the second after thirty two in the first round. <laughs> yep. Yep. Whew. All right. Good luck, Pete. Uh, anyway, uh, your next big riser of the week, the Tampa Bay Rays. So they're heading into the All-Star break Sunday with a 51-41 and 41 record. Uh, that's the third best in the AL but behind the Yankees and the Astros. So uh, this is the sixth, sixth time in franchise history that the Rays have reached the All-Star break with, uh, being 10 games above 500 or better. Uh, and they've made the playoffs each of the previous five times. Uh, so at the moment, they're currently atop the AL wildcard standings. Every time I, I drop the raise in these rankings, they go out and make it so that I have to raise them back up. I mean, <laughs> Don't you part- love that? Yeah, I mean, it's partly annoying, but it's really just impressive, the resilience they have as a team. They began the final week of the first half with a four-game sweep of the division rival Red Sox and then won two of three from what was a hot Orioles team uh, this past weekend. Shane McClanahan, as you said on Monday, was named the all-star all-star starter for the American League, rightly so, after he posted a 1.71 ERA, 0.795 whip, and 147 strikeouts with just 19 walks across his first 110 and two-third innings leading into the all-star break. He might go out and win the AL Cy Young Award, too, if if workload doesn't become too much of an issue for the 25-year-old left-hander down the stretch. Shane Boz is a big loss for the Rays. He's been completely shut down 
for the next four weeks and is expected to miss at least eight total weeks after being diagnosed last Thursday with a right elbow sprain, the same elbow that required arthroscopic surgery in March. Wander Franco is currently missing too and, and will be for a while. He had surgery last Tuesday to repair a fractured hamate bone in his right wrist. There's a big range of recovery time coming out of that injury, that procedure. It's generally like five to eight weeks. Uh, so maybe late August, maybe mid-September. Um, I feel like the Rays are in trouble as they try to contend for a wild card spot and are maybe limited financially in terms of what they can do with the trade deadline as compared to other teams in that hunt. Uh, but yeah, whenever I say the Rays are in trouble, they somehow prove not to be back into the top 10 this week up at number nine after dipping to number 11 last week. Right at number 10, your final riser of the week, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. So they enter the All-Star break at 50 and 43 uh, on a high note. So uh, they defeated the Royals 4-2 and that sealed a series win uh, and a 5-1 homestand to close out the first half of the season. So, uh, of course, they fired uh, their manager, Charlie Montoya, earlier this week. Uh, But otherwise, uh, yeah, uh, the current reactions apparently seem to be good. Yeah, I mean, I think the firing of Montoya kind of encapsulated the disappointing overall first half in Toronto. I, I also think we might hear more about what happened there because I, I thought he did a great job. Remember last year they were traveling all around to different ballparks, three different home parks they played in, um, and still managed to have a great season. I know it, they got off to a rough start this year, and it seems like maybe he lost the clubhouse or something, or there were yeah. maybe some incidents that that changed the way that the Blue Jays felt about him. But they just signed him to an extension in the spring, so I feel like something happened there. Either way, yeah, maybe we're seeing a little interim manager spark with John Schneider now at the helm. Uh, the Jays went 5-1 and one last week to build some more optimism leading into the second half. Uh, we should note that both of their visiting opponents last week, the Phillies and Royals, had several key players missing because of vaccination status from COVID-19. Four players for the Phillies and a whopping 10 unvaxxed players for the Royals. But hey, wins are wins, and the Blue Jays did what they needed to do during that homestand to kind of get right. Uh, in the wild card standings, they'll travel to Boston out of the break for a three game weekend series and then welcome the Cardinals into town early next week. I'm, I'm pretty interested to see which Cardinals do not make the trip to Canada. Uh, they were one of the first teams to reach that 75 percent vaccination threshold threshold last year, which allowed them to, you know, remove some of the limitations like going out to dinner and uh, I, there was a, I, I almost forget what what those restrictions were because I kind of want to forget that that so long ago. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> my, time is warped with this pandemic stuff. I, I hope we're kind of over it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sure for the Cardinals, there have been some significant holdouts and we'll find out who those guys are eventually. I mean, the vaccination stuff is a big advantage for the Blue Jays. And I haven't seen any indication that the Canadian government is going to loosen the restrictions before the playoffs. It's something that opposing teams have to consider with the trade deadline approaching. We've already heard that maybe the Yankees are out on Andrew Benintendi because he did not make that trip. What does it do for Whit Merrifield, uh, who is unvaxxed? Michael Taylor, who I think would have been a, a nice outfield, like defense-oriented pickup for some kind of contender. Um, he did not make the trip. So, yeah, I don't know. We're not talking about the Royals this week, but I, <laughs> I, I kind of chastised them in, in that part of the column. 
Um, anyway, yeah, the Jays are back into the top 10 after one week out of it, up to number 10 in my rankings after sitting at number 13 this time last week. I think they wound up with six different All-Stars. Alejandro Kirk and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will be in the starting lineup for the American League side. George Springer made it but was then replaced because of some minor lingering soreness in his elbow. Santiago Espinal was a late addition, kind of a surprise. Alec Manoa made it. Uh, who am I forgetting? Jordan Romano uh, was just added over the weekend. I think a, a well-deserved nod for him as the Blue Jays closer. He's been very good all year. Right. That is all for your risers. Let's move on to your big followers of the week. So at number 13, the Boston Red Sox uh, falling quite a bit too. five whole spots. Uh, so terrible news for Chris Sale. Yep. Uh, so on in Sunday's game, he left the game in the first inning after he took a line drive, a, a hard hit line drive off his pinky. Uh, so otherwise, uh, at 48-45, the Red Sox are barely hovering above 500. Uh, they've dropped two in a row. All teams in the AL East are at 500. So that goes to show you what a strong division that is. Yeah, this has turned bad quickly uh, with the Red Sox losing six of their last seven games against the division rival Yankees and Rays, and they've lost 10 of their last 13 going back to July 4th. And as you mentioned, Chris Sale suffered that fractured left Pinky on Sunday when he got struck by a comebacker off the bat of Aaron Hicks. I would believe it was like 106.7 miles an hour right to his pitching hand. Uh, he underwent surgery on Monday, which it was officially called an open reduction and internal fixation of a left fifth finger proximal phalanx fracture, um, which essentially means like opening up the finger and putting some artificial hardware in there and then closing the finger and now it's time for him to heal um, there's no timetable yet for his possible return but it sounds like he's going to be shut down for at least four weeks and then it will take like probably another three to four weeks for him to build up so we're talking into september and i think yeah i mean the red sox are once again facing a really tough test in terms of starting pitching depth sale has had made just two starts this season covering only five and two-thirds innings after missing the first four months of the season because of a stress fracture in his right rib cage. Really tough news all around for Sale and for that team. I'm sure the Sox will try to go after starting pitching help at the deadline, but you know, I would have said the same over the winter and even this time last summer, and they just really didn't do it. Um, they definitely have a lot of holes to fill, and I, they're going to have to get creative. Uh, to fill them in the rotation down to number 13 this week, all a drop all the way from number eight. And I don't know if I see them rising back into the top 10. I think they've got some pitching issues. At number 22, the Los Angeles angels uh, who always seem to be falling themselves in this section of the podcast. So uh, they've dropped three games to the two and eight in their last 10. However, uh, as I was doing some research before in preparation for the show, I have seen nothing but Shohei and Mike Trout propaganda, uh, which goes to tell me that perhaps, you know, with their two big uh, superstars at the forefront, uh, I'm maybe missing a lot of the things that are happening in the background. So are things just getting worse here? Man, I'm just like really tired of talking about the Angels. Uh, hopefully they have dropped low enough now in my rankings that they won't qualify as a biggest follower anymore the rest of the year. Like you said, it's yeah, it's it's Otani and, and Trout and then 
you know, really bad stuff underneath that. Uh, they headed in the All-Star break with only two wins in their final 14 games to close out the first half, a 2-12 and record so far in July after going 10-18 and in June. They've had only one winning month this year. That was April when they were 14-8 and and were for a brief second in the top five of these rankings. Um, I don't know if you can remember all the way back to that, but actually, it happened. I actually do, yeah. yes. It's not a Mandela effect thing. They, they were actually in your top five for yep. a, a brief moment. And speaking and then, of Trout, yeah, he uh, – he so he missed the the final four games before the break because of some rib cage inflammation, and then they placed him on the injured list on Monday, um, probably to kind of use the All Star break and and retroactive that IL stint so that maybe he could be ready right after right at like the start of the second half. Um, but that's a little bit of a concern that he's on the IL now. Anthony Rendon is has been done for the year following wrist surgery in June. They're going to be sellers at the deadline. I think we can say that with a lot of certainty. Um, we should just celebrate Shohei Otani whenever the Angels come up on the show the rest of the way. Uh, that, that, that is a good strategy. Yeah, we'll just talk Shohei. Uh, he's going to DH and lead off for the American League on Tuesday night. I was hoping Otani might pitch an inning or two as well, but he's lined up to start the Angels' first game after the All-Star break on, what is that, Friday in Atlanta. Um, so that's off the table. I don't know. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, perhaps this is not uh, any uh, brighter of a story, uh, <laughs> but the Washington Nationals drop a spot to the doldrums of your list. So the Nats just snapped a nine-game skid uh, with a team win. So perhaps maybe this is going to be some momentum for the second half, uh, but perhaps the big thing that is on everyone's mind is a, the Juan Soto news. So a bit of a shock to us all. Um, I mean, I figured that the Nationals might want to build around him, but he's probably going to go to a team with plenty of tradable prospects to replenish that farm system. So definitely a bit of an awkward and uncomfortable situation overall. If a report comes out that you're shopping Juan Soto, you, you fall to the very bottom of my rankings. <laughs> We're making that standard policy for for this mm. show, for this column. Um, just Just keep that in mind. Um, and also the Nats lost 15 of their last 17 games steering into the All-Star break to finish the first half with the worst record among all 30 major league teams. Uh, George Bissell and I talked at length about the Soto rumors on our Sunday live show on YouTube. It's part of the Circling the Bases podcast if people want to go back and listen to that in our feed or on our YouTube page. To kind of summarize, uh, Soto turned down a 15-year, $440 million extension offer from Washington and now the Nats are willing to listen to trade proposals. I really doubt that it happens before the August 2nd deadline. It's just too big of a decision for the Nationals and whatever team would be acquiring Soto that I think this gets pushed back into the offseason and then we maybe see some kind of blockbuster deal. Um, there is also, you know, there's a change in ownership possibly underway in DC and any new owner would probably want to have you know, the final say in Soto's future. He is under club control through the 2024 season, so this doesn't necessarily have to be rushed. And there was a follow-up report on Sunday that the Nats might put together one final offer to Soto before really getting deep into trade discussions. You know, with the with the draft falling on the over the all-star break now, I think a lot of teams are not necessarily talking trades at the moment. And so I think maybe they refocus you know, toward the end of this week and 
try to get something worked out with Soto. And if it doesn't happen, you know, they really open up the phone lines and see if they can make a move. We'll see. That'd be nuts if Soto got moved within the next two weeks. I, I'd almost be tempted to not even include the Nationals in these rankings without Soto on the roster. Maybe we'll elevate a AAA team into their spot. Like the AAA Durham Bulls uh, will get my number 30 spot because I, oh, I, I, num- yeah. I mean, a lot of AAA rosters would probably be better than a Nationals roster that does not include Juan Soto and probably Josh Bell is going to be traded and Nelson Cruz and whoever else they can get rid of. Uh, tough times in the nation's capital. I think the fan equity from that 2019 World Series title is probably starting to wear a little thin. All right. That'll do it for this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the Power Rankings column. It goes up every Tuesday on NBC Sports Edge. Rankings observations on all 30 teams. Rate and review the Circling the Bases podcast. We love five stars, but any feedback is welcome. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Drew Silve. Janice is at Scuriosa. Peace out. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.